So what's new? Yeah, we've just been busy. I don't know. I'm, well, I mean, look, story of your life, but I feel like we're finally kind of at a season where events are slowly returning. Yep. And, um, you know, my heart outside of this podcast is emceeing the local events and being on the mic. And um, I just love being able to facilitate those things. And we have probably a good two solid months of every weekend. There's some type of an event or gala. And um, I feel like it's kind of equal parts happy that they're back. Um, but like missing sweatpants and right. my under eye, like bag patches. So I don't know. How are you feeling about everything coming back? No, I, you know, it's been fun seeing all the networking again. And um, so I'm definitely happy that it's back. And, you know, uh, the, you know, we've got one here coming up. We may release this af after, but the big uh, annual chamber gala, which, yeah. you know, again, I learned something new about you every week, which you are about to be here in a, um, president elect. Is that right? Yeah. So they, um, chair elect, I guess technically is okay. their terminology for it. And I don't even know, I would love to, I probably need to really look into what's politically correct. Is it chairwoman of the board? Is it chairman of the board who happens to be a female? I don't know, but, um, you know, I mean, from all of our years of friendship, how important the chamber is to me. And, um, I was just so humbled that I was selected uh, for that position and to be able to study under our mutual friend, Mike Barber is going to be such an honor and to learn from him and just Tony and the team have done an outstanding job. And so I'm ready to crack the whip and uh, put, put some of my skills on there. So it'll be fun. 2023 is going to be a fun year. Oh, well, I know you'll sprinkle some Ashley dust all over it and change things up and it, it'll turn out great as always. Well, speaking of another year, you just celebrated your 21st birthday again. Yeah, for the 26th time. <laughs> yeah, Rain Man. I'm not good at math, but you're getting on up there. What birthday was this? What year is this for you? You know, it's um, a total uneventful year. So it's number 47. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, you know, just, you know, I, I'm at the age now, or as you'd like to say, the season now that I have to do the math every year to figure out how old I am. Yeah. And then we're, we're in this three month window because I'm three months older than Dana. Her birthday is April 16th. Yeah. And so every single year she just gets a kick out of having three months where she can call me an old man and talk about how I'm older than her. And then come April 16th, all those jokes in. So I love it. Old, old man. She takes full advantage. Well, one of the, I was so sad that I didn't get to make it again, event season. We had something else the evening, but we were invited to your birthday party and it looked like the event of the century. <laughs> so questions, I'm going to, I'm going to grill you on this. So first okay. of all, it was supposed to be a surprise. This may be a question for Dana, but we were all keeping it under wraps. She did such a great job. It was like a private invite. What happened to the surprise element of the party? Yeah, it started off that way. Um, and Dana is not good at um, holding secrets or surprises. And so around Christmas, she she blurted it out. She was like, okay, I've got to tell you because there was just so much planning that was happening. Um, she was ordering all these things from Amazon that were going to be showing up that I may open. And so she was like, I just need to let the cat out of the bag and let you know um, that we're hosting a party. And not only that, but it was kind of an 80s, 90s themed kind of hip hop, old school um, kind of theme because that, you know, that was my jam back in the day. Um, That's your jam now. Let's be honest. That's like your, you know, some people are like pumping to jock jams at the gym. I feel like you've got your 80s, 90s hip hop on, on the earbuds, right? <laughs> You know, I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I still love it. You know, I, you know, I kick it with some country. You know, Dana has gotten some country into me so I can I can go back and forth. But I I love going back um, old school. So, I mean, that was, uh, you know, my generation, you know, su suburban males. That's, you know, we that's what we listened to. We thought we were so cool. Um, you know, th this is something I've, I've never shared publicly. But when I was in high school, I was actually in a gang. Um, not a gang like you would think. Yeah. Um, we were all a bunch of um, honor students um, and nerds, and we just basically called ourselves the Vikings. And we had cool hats, dorky hats. And um, I think there, there may have been a hand symbol. And we literally did nothing bad, but that's just the thing we did. And it was looking back really stupid. So, um, but yeah, that's. Uh, that's me in high school. <laughs> I need to see photos from your Vikings gang days. 
And I need you to know that if there are any Cowboys fans listening today, Jeff was a Viking first. We now can all establish that there was a team before the Cowboys. I'm just going to call you a Vikings fan now from here on out. That's too funny. I mean, when you, I was looking at the pictures, of course, it was amazing. Everybody came themed out, right, as like maybe an artist of that time or just in the, the color schemes. It was so good. How did you decide on your outfit for the evening? Well, you know, Mine, mine was easy because I got to wear sweats and my Adidas and rock my Adidas and, you know, my old hat. And, you know, it, it, what was funny is how much everyone got into it. You know, like we normally stress about Halloween, just trying to be creative. This was easy. And, man, people really, really got into it. And so it was funny to kind of see the direction people went. Um, uh, you know, Amazon must have had a, um, a run on gold jewelry. And it's funny because like six different people ordered the same gold necklace, you know. So we were joking. Was it the dollar sign? With the dollar sign. Oh yeah. So there like, was a dog with the necklace on at one point in the evening. I saw some really cool photos. So um, so yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Dana loves to entertain and she um, loves to throw good parties. So anytime she's throwing a party, it's definitely a, a can't miss. So we're we're sorry you didn't make it because I know y'all would have probably rocked the costumes, although. Y'all would have had to kind of like research what the 80s and 90s were. Yes. Um, you wouldn't really have understood, but I'm sure I you had would. a whole plan. I was going to come as like me in the 80s. So diapers that, you know, I was, was going <laughs> to be my plan. Just, you know, baby bottle and the whole nine. But I thought it was so fun. You know, one of the things I've always kind of I'm a birthday month type of girl. You know this about me. You guys have always done such a great job at celebrating my birthday and making it a big deal, but it's just the event of the century. So I appreciated the detail that went into your party. What is What are birthdays like in your house? I mean, do you guys, is it like just the day of you're celebrating? Do you do like a family dinner later? Do you get to pick the event? How do birthdays go? Well, you know, ours are a challenge because we've got three in the same week. And so Dana's like you, where it's, it's definitely, you know, an event and a month long celebration. Um, and my daughter, Caitlin, I, I don't think one month is enough for her. She celebrates her half birthday. So we have to figure that out. We have to add six months every year. And then she reminds us when it's her half birthday. Um, and so really, usually it's centered around Caitlin. So Zach's mm -hmm. is, is the 19th of January. Mine's the 22nd. And then Caitlin's is the 23rd. So it's usually all about Caitlin. And, my girl. and me and Zach, you know, you know, usually in most years, dad gets a high five and way to go out of boy. Um, so it, it's fun for us to kind of do a blowout. But so how we did it this year is we took um, we had to celebrate Zach before he went back to college, which was a little sad. So we first time we weren't with him on his actual birthday, but we went and stayed in Carlton Landing the weekend before and did kind of a whole blowout for him that weekend. And then we did Caitlin Friday night, took all of her friends to Legacy West. She loves Legacy West. That's the teen selfie mecca. Um, so we did that. We came back on Saturday, did mine. And then Sunday, um, we did another Caitlin event where we took a bunch of her other friends um, downtown for dinner and ice cream and so forth. So Dana survived uh, another year. It's always a week of stress for her. And, um, you know, she called it her hell week at one point. Um, but um, mid-April's right yeah, around the yeah, Don't worry. <laughs> We're going to be celebrating her soon. I love it. And I do think uh, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Caitlin's on the streets now. She got her learner's permit. How is Walk that possible? Frisco. She's a baby. Like, how is she driving? I can't believe that. I know. And Dana and I, we've taught all of our kids, um, you know, how, how to drive. And um, it usually kind of falls back um, to me. So, um, we'll, we'll see her first early test runs were better than the boys. So that's a definitely a good start. Let's see. We'll see how your girl is. That's so funny. One of the things I wanted to ask you, and I feel like this comes up a lot when you're talking in town and stuff, but is there still this like mentality that like kids, Caitlin's age don't want to drive? Is that still like a big thing? Like when I was growing up, I was like midnight registering, showing up the DMV, um, interesting fact too, like in my hometown, the DMV, you drive a dually, like they just provide it. And it's like in my, it, you know, very country town. And it's like, if you can pass the driving test in a dually, you can drive anything. Right. So it's <laughs> kind of funny, but do kids still want to drive? Do they want cars? You know, mine have always been the type that wanted the first day. Um, now there's been a lot of that. A lot of their friends aren't that way. 
uh, back Zach now, I mean, he's um, in college and he still has some friends that haven't gotten their license. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of become a thing. Um, is it Uber? Like, is it, they ride with their friends? Like, why is that? Yeah, it's a lot of ride with friends and, um, you know, so I, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I wanted it the first day that I could possibly get, get out on the streets. And, um, it, it was funny. I almost got in a wreck literally, um, less than 50 yards from the DMV when I got my driver's license at 16. They had a in 1924 and way back when. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I was with my mom and of course I'm, you know, I've had my license for a hot minute and I'm like, I'm trying to obey every single traffic signal. Um, and so I was coming up on a red light and it turned yellow kind of like right as I'm getting into it, you know, where, you know, most people now would, you know, continue on through. That's what a yellow light is designed for. And man, I slammed on my brakes and a big van right behind me expecting me to go through, had to slam on their brakes and just came within inches of smashing into the back of me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, if I would have gotten a wreck and I don't have my license literally for less than two minutes, that would have been a bad story. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm glad that you uh, lived to tell the tale of getting your driver's license eventually. That's good. Well, speaking of cars and driving, and we have got an awesome guest today. I can't wait to talk about. You want to tell us about our who we have today? You know, it's funny. We talked a lot about this kind of uh, exiting our last interview, right? And we were just thinking of dreaming of who we should have on. And I just cannot say enough amazing things about our next guest. He will be no stranger to anybody who's viewing or listening um, to the show, but to, to say that he's family would be the understatement of the century. Pastor Ernest B. Morgan, barbecue phenom, car salesman to the stars, is on Untold Today. Pastor Ernest, what's good? Ernie, Ernest B. <laughs> all good is all good, Jeff and Ashley. Wow. I'm thankful to be here. Thank you guys for allowing me to come on this podcast. I'm extremely excited about it. Um, and congratulate y'all for coming out, having enough um, courage to develop this and so we can give our listeners some to hear. So everything is good with me. Well, you there, we, you know, it's funny when we introduce somebody, it's usually like chief executive officer, director of business development, with you, I mean, it's like, Ernest, there's there's not a resume in the world long enough, a LinkedIn profile to be able to not just, you know, talk about your accomplishments, but you hold a lot of titles, my friend, a lot of titles. How do you balance it all? How are you giving us a few minutes of your time today? I want to know that. Well, you know, one of the things is it's, it's, it's really just loving what I do, right? I just love uh, connecting to people. I love just whether that's cooking or preaching or just being in the community, just I think my gift, God placed me uh, to be able to connect to people. That's my gift. And it's just, it comes natural and it comes organic. And this was just an amazing opportunity. I just felt like I wanted to be here. So I, I had somebody run the restaurant, got my guys cutting meat for me that I could get and talk to Ashley and Jeff. So that's what I do. I just, the way I balance it is just, I my wife is one of the biggest supporters I have and she helps me uh, kind of fulfill you know, whatever we need to do, she kind of hold it down. And, you know, with my kids, we just make it work. It just make it work. So that's how I do it. Jeff can relate to that. <laughs> well, in the prior podcast, we recognized that, you know, Ashley and Justin, they celebrated their 10th anniversary. Dana and I celebrated our 20th. You just dumped on us and recently celebrated number 25, right? Yes, sir. December 28, 2021, me and my wife been married 25 years. And I'm 45, she's 47. So we've been together since we started dating in high school. She graduated two years before me. I told her she robbed the cradle. She didn't give me time to be raised. She just snatched me out. Uh, so we, we started dating. I was 17 and she was 19 and we married. I was 19, she was 22. So that's how, we, that's how wow. we've done it all these years. It's been amazing. Wow. So what's 25? Like what, what gift are you supposed to give? I can't, I don't even know. What did you do? Did you do anything? Special? I don't know what gift, but it's silver. So silver is 25 years. I had, uh, gave her a 25 year wedding, um, ring, a new ring actually replaced the one I gave her when we first married. And 
Uh, she still got that one and I replaced it. But I just, we had fun. We just kind of like, you know, she wanted ice cream. We went to Chamberlain Steakhouse, which Richard Chamberlain, owner Chamberlain, is a great friend of mine, been for years. And he had us to come up and they made us this special uh, dinner. And I had a, you know, a Wagyu ribeye steak and all mm -hmm. the trimmings. It was good. So we had a good time at Chamberlain's. That, uh, the silver you got her this year, is that silver in that beard? I see it. Oh, yep. <laughs> yep. Sip in the beard. That's right. Um, Sprinkle it in there. Yep. Well, one thing I love about you is that you are a Frisco homer, cheerleader, lover, um, you know, and we don't think anyone can compete with Frisco, but your hometown, I guess, kind of maybe gives it a run for its money. Tell us about all that. Yeah, well, Amory, A-M-O-R-Y, Mississippi, it uh, sits central between Birmingham, Alabama and Memphis, Tennessee. And so go Tigers. I'm a country. I'm from the country. I'm from the country. I'm in the heart of uh, go Tigers. She, she know I was going to say road tide, but that's okay. But uh, uh, it's sit between uh, central because the railroad made it famous. So the railroad, Amory was just a little small Mayberry kind of town and the railroad gave it some type of definition. My grandfather uh, and my uncles, they all worked on the railroad, actually building the original railroad. Um, and so it sits central because the, tra the trains would change over in our city and, you know, get a different rail. Uh, my wife, uh, dad was an engineer for the railroad. He worked 31 years as a train engineer. And anyway, Amy was a change off spot It's central. And because it was the biggest source of the economy in the city, uh, they started, they celebrated it. So they started this railroad festival, uh, 1979, they started this railroad festival, 42 years been having a railroad festival with a hundred plus thousand people, which that's a lot in my city. Amber just got a population of 6,800 people. Okay. Wow. And so uh, for, for like Texas state fair go a month, uh, this uh, festival is a three day festival. And if it rains, somebody in trouble, if you get three days, you're waiting on this festival to come, but it was, it's been a celebration uh, for 42 years. Amory city is amazing place. Um, that's my hometown, home of Mitch Moreland. Okay, so Mitch Moreland played for the Rangers. Okay. Um, Mitch first got called up from Mississippi State to play for the Rangers. We did a going uh, welcome home celebration for Mitch Moreland. And the mayor of Amory asked me would I come and barbecue for Mitch. So I was able to come and I barbecued for Mitch Moreland. I had it set up in the mayor's office. Uh, so my our town, uh, Trent Hammond, supposed to have been the last American Idol. But they didn't have another one since then. But I went to Trent, Trent mom and dad own a steakhouse in Amory. And I used to watch Trent play uh, just a, a, a small acoustic guitar in the corner of the restaurant. We didn't even know he would ever make it to American Idol, but we would eat, be eating a steak. It's called Longhorn Steakhouse. But Trent Harmon would be in there playing and all of a sudden he hit it big. And so that's the home of Trent Harmon and, of course, the home of Ernest B. So that's that's how, you know, uh, it started. But Amory just adopted Frisco logo I know because of the railroad it's one of the cities that share uh, that same logo on the side of the city hall so you picture Amory as a, a small town with the uh, the mayor's I mean the city hall is in the middle next door is the fire department next door is the police department next door is the city clerk it's just one little small town but the park that sits central is uh, uh, Frisco City Park and so the same exhibit we got at Frisco Station downtown, all that, we got that same exhibit uh, right by the Discovery Center. We got that same exhibit in Amory sitting right on a smaller scale, but it's sitting right in the city park. And everything about Frisco and my city, it's like, wow, God has such a sense of humor uh, <laughs> that I could do a storm. And I'll tell y'all later how I ended up in Frisco from Amory. It's just an amazing connection. That's crazy. We've got some wild competition, Jeff. I know. Yeah. yeah. I know. This, now, this logo has special meaning for you. You may, may need to get a tattoo or something. <laughs> I'm telling you, I might get one on me because I mean, that's just <laughs> like I said, birds belong in the air, fish belong in the sea, and I belong in Frisco, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm calling it right now Frisco lower back tattoo, Ernest B. <laughs> all day. You heard it here first. That's the okay. purpose of this right. podcast. Ernest, we, you know, we joke. And I think my favorite thing about you is you're always smiles. I mean, it's like, 
you are the king of, I could be having the worst Tuesday on the map. And for what, like, so you got a beeper that's like, I'm going to text somebody and give them, empower them today, love on them today, give them some encouragement. And I'm like, my earnest beeper must have gone off. It's like the, the logo, the, what is it? Spider-Man, Batman logo in the sky. You're just all, you know how to encourage people and lift them up always. And, and you probably don't realize or underestimate. It always happens when, when we need it most, especially with my family. But there was a time before this to Ernest B, right? I mean, there was a time before it was all rainbows and butterflies. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Well, you know, uh, my life, you know, growing up in a Mississippi is at the bottom of pretty much every place in terms of uh, economics, in terms of obesity. Uh, if you're thinking about racism, it, it basically started in Mississippi. Any possible depleting situation I was placed in growing up. So uh, my mom, I'm the, I've got five brothers, okay? I'm the oldest of all of us, uh, but my mom and dad, uh, my whole life, and I can't even think about a family like I raised my kids, but I was raised by two uh, parents that was addicted to cocaine. My mom and dad both was addicted to cocaine and drugs and alcohol, my father, alcoholic i mean just my whole life i never seen uh a huxtable style uh, african-american family i never seen uh, what a real family uh felt like I, I don't know what it really means to have a dad that was present he was in the home my mom and dad been married 40 years but my dad was in the home but not at home that make any sense he no. he was in the house but he was totally separate but my whole life was just i was raised in when i say drama I'm talking about chaos, guns, guns, uh, drugs, violence, my whole life. And that attached itself to me. My mom, when I first was acquainted with drugs, she had me at 16 years old. And I was about eight years old and I found some drugs she had hit. And we were staying with my grandparents at the time. And she was 16, quit high school. My mom uh, quit high school uh, when she got pregnant with me. And so... Uh, when that happened, she continued to go into drugs. Well, I found drugs at eight years old. And just because of the environment, I often tell people, your environment, the place that you're in, you can look at a person and look at the environment and you can basically dictate uh, where they're going to head in the next five years based on just the company they keep, uh, the way they surround themselves. But I was just in a negative environment. And, and so I started selling crack cocaine at 13 years old just because it, it, it was just the only way we could survive you know you're talking about even today mississippi if you're making five to six hundred dollars a week in mississippi most of the time people are comfortable with that lifestyle i was just home two months ago but it was something my mom was in drugs and i ended up selling drugs and and so at 13 years old me and a friend of mine his parents he was going through a troubling time uh, we started selling uh peddling dope at 13 13 years old I got drugs in my hand in Mississippi and from 13 to 15, I sold drugs just to stay alive. And my mom would steal drugs from me. You know, she would find out where I had, you know, the drugs that she was stealing. It's just a bad situation. At 15, Jeff, uh, I got stabbed. My friend got fight, got to fighting with a guy in the city park, not the city park, Amory, but in our part of the town. So Amory and Frisco is the same. It was a railroad track that ran through the city. And now literally on one side was white folks and on this side was black folks. That's my whole life. And huh. all the black folks would want to move to the white side of town. And then the white side would move to the black side and make a new suburb. And it was just a flip flopping, right? Just you always wanted to be somebody else. Just wasn't proud of it. But at 15 years old, I got stabbed five times. Got cut me twice in the neck. Cut me from here to here cut me by my lungs and left me for dead. And I laid there bleeding in five parts of my body. And a guy from a town up the road, about 15 miles called Aberdeen, Mississippi, is right about 20 miles from Mississippi State. Okay, about 20 miles from Mississippi State. This guy just was passing through our city and he saw me laying on the ground and nobody would grab me. And he literally pulled his car over, got out, got up some tourniquets and started binding up my wounds and threw me in his car took me to the hospital. And from that point, uh, I developed an aneurysm the size of a golf ball on my neck at 15 years old. 
and they couldn't do me no good in our small town. They didn't have the physicians that was needed. So they put me in the ambulance. At the time, helicopters wasn't even a, a choice. Put me in the ambulance. This is in 1991. I was 15 years old. And I drove. they drove me three hours in the ambulance to Jackson, Mississippi, to the Universal Medical Center on Woodrow Wilson. And so I ended up staying in the hospital about a two months. My grandmother, my mom's mother, uh, stayed with me and rubbed me. And she would speak over me to Ernest. Some great, and I'm gonna try not to cry with this. <laughs> said one day, some great is gonna happen to you. You're gonna, you're gonna be a great man. You're gonna come through this. And so I got a 50-50 chance of living. And so uh, the aneurysm. Sometimes people lose limbs. They lose their memory. They lose some part of their body. But some kind of way, the grace, the grace of God. I didn't lose none of that. It's almost photographic memory. Just things just went in a total opposite way. But I developed a spirit of anger. And, and from that, I was very paranoid. I didn't know the Lord. And my mom, at the end of the day, when I got out of the hospital, I went back in the same situation. My mom on drugs, and I started all over again. And so I got real angry. So my father had died. My grandfather had died. Uh, my mom's dad, and he left my grandmother some shotguns and uh, 16-gauge automatic shotguns, several other rifles and things of that nature. And we was raised hunting and, you know, doing a lot of, because I lived in the country, so you kill rabbits. All these rabbits in Frisco, when I got here, I said, Lord Jesus, look at all these rabbits. I don't know. We would have to go send rabbit dogs out to find the rabbits, and not in every alley. And they Lunch, get, dinner, midnight snack, all in my yard right now. Yeah. I'm telling you. So um, I ended up, you know, just angry. And I just started being very violent and fighting. And all of a sudden, I would get into it with people, and I would take the gun and go to parks with kids and shoot up the park, kids running everywhere, just shoot up the parks and just people was very afraid of me and I was afraid of myself. And it was just a bad situation and I became a loner. So I stopped dealing with people because I didn't trust nobody and I would just be off to myself. And that was a bad situation. So one day I got into with this guy and he was running in this apartment complex up the stairs. Some you sh I, I should be in a movie with all this stuff that happened to me. He was running up the stairs and I saw him and I pointed the gun at him. And out of nowhere, two ladies, one is my wife today and her cousin, ran out the house and fought the gun out of my hand to get a guy time to get in the house. Had I pulled the trigger, we would be doing no live podcast right now. Mm -hmm. Cicely wasn't even my girlfriend or nothing. I asked her, I said, why did you do it? And she said, I saw something in you, Ernest. I don't even know why. We wasn't dating or nothing. But she seen me and she said, I saw something in you. And I felt I need to help you. And they wrestled the gun out of my hand. And from that point, I knew that I was over the edge. At the time, you didn't, you know, especially in African-American household, counseling was not an option. Okay, you got an anger problem. It's Jesus or nothing. Okay, mm -hmm. that wasn't no kind of counseling or talking to no one. So you have to you, you, you compress this pain. You compress anger. You hold things in. And in high school, 11th grade of high school, I tried to quit school. And my teacher told me, she said, Ernest, I'm going to tell you something. All of the teachers said, you won't be nothing in life but a dope addict and a dropout. And based on my surroundings, my prophecy was going to be just what they said. That was my teacher. But my, because I would miss school and they would come to my house and knock on the door. I didn't want to go to school. Or I stayed out all, all night doing dope. And, you know, but I played football in high school and I was good. Mm -hmm. I was running back and I was an outside linebacker and actually got a scholarship to college to play football. But my high school football coach, he found one thing about me. And he said, Ernest, your attitude is going to take you a long way in life. Because I really just, so what he started doing is carving out, Jeff, he, and as he started carving out time, five minutes before the football team would go out, he would let me motivate the team. And I motivated the team. He started making us wear neckties. Now, I had never wore a necktie, but the high school coach said, um, you need to put on a tie. Look at Ashley, look at that. And so we started wearing ties on Fridays, and I had one suit, a black and purple suit. My mom was on drugs. We couldn't even buy clothes, but I found, I bought one suit, and half of the suit was purple, and half of the suit was black. Now you talking about in the '90s, so woo, that was going deal, right? Jeff knows. <laughs> just Jeff knows. like I was 
uh, LSU Tiger, but I, I know I was road tie. But uh, <laughs> uh, I wore that suit and something about it just made me feel good. I, regardless of my mom was on drugs or, you know, I know my life and I even know what my teacher said. But this guy planted a seed in me and he said something about you is your attitude. You got a great attitude. And I started smiling and man, it just felt good. Mm-hmm. It felt good. It was addicted to me in spite of what I had going on. Could I make somebody else smile? I wanted somebody else to feel just like I felt. And man, I told Cicely, we started dating and she was ready to graduate and I was 11th grade. And we just started dating and she would come to my football games and and she started in college and she didn't finish. And then she was a CSM at Walmart and she would come to my games and support me. In 1996, I went to this club and I just felt like something is going to happen to me. Either I'm going to die or I'm going to go to hell or I'm going to jail. Something is going to happen. But I didn't feel good about myself. I was in a space. I just didn't feel good. I'm 19 years old. Uh, my, my past is already uh, hunting me. and I, But I feel something I want to change. And I went to a, a church on uh, in 96. My grandmother kept begging me to come to a revival. Back in that day, we had church all the time. Friday, Friday night, went to this revival and uh, gave my life to Christ. And I told Sister about it. And she's like, you crazy. I can't believe. Not you. Now, she couldn't even believe me. She said, I said, I'm telling you. And I said, I'm going to tell you two things. And this is very serious. I said, two things. We're not going to have sex no more without being married. And I'm not drinking or smoking no more. And she said, you crazy. You're out of your head. And I said, I'm telling you. Because if I don't stop, I'm going to be dead. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to make it. And she didn't believe me. And I've done that. And I went about two weeks. And I didn't go around her and nothing. And back then, we didn't have no cell phones. So, you know, you walk, you know, they had a house phone. She would call my house and we got married in 1996. I stood to marry her with no job. I was an ex-crack dealer. I didn't have nothing. She worked at Walmart, had a look, she had a little red geo prism. I didn't have no car. She married me. And that was 25 years ago. And we've been through some very challenging times. But we've stayed together. I haven't had a drink of nothing. Beer, liquor, wine. In 25 years, it's going to be 26 years, me, me and my wife, because I was just in bad shape. I couldn't control my alcohol. I couldn't control who I was. Yeah. But that's what it was. That's the first part of my life. That's the I mean, deal. and thank the Lord, you know, I'm going to fast forward to every Thursday morning, <laughs> that Frisco chamber grind, man, you're rolling out of bed at five to wash your hair on a good day mm-hmm. and show up. Not in a purple and black suit, but you were best dressed in the room. And I will never forget, we're at Get On Track every Thursday morning, 725, 735. The bell's going to ring. They're going to shut the doors, right? And you want to talk about an attitude and motivation and empowerment. I mean, mm-hmm. your your elevator pitch, your commercial was the one that we all look forward to. And that's really, Ernest, how you came into my life. And then by default, Jeff and and really the city of Frisco was just so blessed by you were those Thursday mornings at the Frisco Chamber. And by this time, you're a car salesman. That's how how did we get from, you know, you're standing at the altar to you're a car salesman in Frisco, Texas. Okay, so in 2004, I came to Bible College in Dallas at Christ for the Nations. In 04, me and my wife and kids, my kids were, of course, small. We moved to Dallas. I was still at home in Amory, but I wanted more. This always felt like something is bigger than this city for me. So I came to Bible college and then I took a job for Duncanville Ford. Duncanville Ford in Duncanville. We live in Dallas on campus at Christ for the Nation. So I took a job that I could go to school from 8 to 12. And the, the guy that ran the place is named Duncan LaFell. Duncan LaFell gave me opportunity to be an intern selling Fords. So I started in Bible college. While I was in college, I would go to the car lot and work from 12 to 8 at night. And I've done that well. And I kept working my way until I ended up, had been at Ford three years. So in 07, Duncan told me that he's going to go to Plano to work for a Jaguar store. And he called me Big E. He said, Big E, you're the only one that I want to come work for me from South Dallas. He said, I don't know what it is about you. I'm from Canada and you from Mississippi. 
but I like you. He said, will you drive from this drive from Dallas to Plano every day? I had maybe never crossed 35. I like, what do you say you work? He said, I work on Plano Parkway. And at that time, before the tollway was developed, all those nice high-end stores was on Plano Parkway. So I would drive. I, just, I was always looking for opportunity, right? I, I followed this guy. I followed this guy from Dallas to Plano to work for him at Jaguar. And they got me in this office, looked like I was a bank president and these $120,000 cars. We're talking back in 2007. I don't even know how did I get there, but I'm following this guy. And so from that point, we just stayed friends. In 2008, I still felt called to go back to Mississippi. So I went back to Pastor Church. So I went after I graduated, I went back home because I feel like I'm going to save my small town. So I went back home to Pastor Church and I stayed there for from 2008 to 2015, me and my wife. And I went back with the pastor of the church, but I had been with Ford for four years by now because Ford owned Jaguar Land Rover back in that day. Now Tata, which is an Indian company, bought it out. So I had some time and had some money put up with the company. So I transferred to the small Ford store. Well, in 08, Obama come president, gas go to $4 a gallon. The world's in a crazy financial crunch. And so I started barbecuing one day a week on my off day to subsidize my income. So I built a barbecue pit. And on Wednesday, I would just set up on side the highway and sell. But the car business kept going down and down and down because they had the Ford excursion. They got all these big cars. Ford didn't take time to develop no smaller cars. So people quit buying and everybody needed to be bailed out. And I jumped out. So what I did, I got I started cooking full time and just passing the church. And that kind of went from there. From that point, I ended up with five locations of restaurant. I had one in a hotel. I had one in Tupelo, Mississippi with 21 full-time employees in Tupelo, Mississippi, down the road from Elvis Presley birthplace. I was the largest barbecue guy in Tupelo, but Tupelo wasn't the 35,000 people, okay? It's 35,000 people. My hometown is 6,000 people. But me and that guy from Jaguar stayed friends and we kept every year talking on the phone. By 2015, the first of 15, my business is going under. Mississippi is not growing. It's nothing coming in. Everything going out. So my wife's like, man, this is not working. She's like, Ernest, we better than this. She said, listen, I'm burnt out. The economy in Mississippi is so low. And every big thing we want to do, the infrastructure is not good. She said, we need to go back to Texas. She said, I looked at my last taxes and we were living in Texas. Now, this is 08. We was living in Texas. We done better on paper than we do in Mississippi. She said, let's go back to Texas. I said, well, look, I'm, right now we don't have nothing. Let's liquidate the restaurant. All we got left, we just sell out, lose out. I just want out. So you pay going in, you pay coming out. I had to pay the lease out. I pay this, all that stuff. Finally, we got nothing but our house left, right? Got down to the mortgage. I didn't liquidate all the barbecue equipment. I called this same guy named Duncan McPhail that I used to intern for. And I said, Duncan, I'm getting out of Mississippi and I'm coming back to Dallas. And this is what he told me. He said, if you come back to this soil, you got to come work for me. I said, where do you work at? He said, I'm at a place called Crest Cadillac Infinity in Plano, Texas. He said, man, Big E, that's what he called Big E, if you come work for me, I just feel like things going to work out. I said, Duncan, man, I had sold cars so many years. He said, if you're the guy I met in 04, you can sell anything. He said, look, just come on up to see us. So I tried to get an application. He says, Berkshire Hathaway, put the app in online. I couldn't get the Wi-Fi to work in Mississippi. So I got in my van and drove 10 hours to put an application in. And he said, man, while you here, you might well go to care now on 75 and Parker. In Plano. So I put the application in. I went and took my drug test. All this old behind technology. I did all that. Got back in my car and drove back to Mississippi. Well, he turned in 50. By the time he, he turned 50 years old, he went to Japan for his 50th uh, birthday. It was three weeks late. I'm waiting on him to call me. And then finally, one day, December 1st, 2015, he said, come to Frisco. We come to Plano and work for me. So I drove into Plano. I don't have no customer base. I've been at the car business so many years. And I didn't know one person, uh, Jeff, and Ashley, not one person, but the guy that hired me to car lot. Now, how I got into Frisco Chamber, so 2015, 2016, they said, we built them a store. 
in Frisco on 121. I said, what Frisco is? Frisco is 20 miles north of Dallas, 25 miles north of Dallas, and it's 20 miles. They start giving me all these this metrics of how far it was. So I would just drive over to Frisco and see what they was billing. The rest is history. We get to Frisco in 20, in a 16 with Crest, but Crest don't have no ties to Frisco. Crest been in Plano so long, they selling cars in Frisco, but they don't have no ties to the city. Right. And so Kevin Healy, you know Kevin Healy, Kevin Healy is the chief of staff at Crest. We get to Frisco, the phones weren't even ringing. Nobody was buying cars. So Kevin said, I'm going to give an opportunity to any salesperson to go in the Chamber of Commerce with me. Who want to go? But you got to be up at 7 in the morning. And nobody raised their hand from Cadillac and Volvo or Infinity. And I said, well, I don't even have no customer base. I'll go. Kevin said, okay, meet me there at 7 o'clock. When I get to Chamber of Commerce at 7, we're in this big room. Kevin is an introvert. He want to be behind the computer. He said, man, I need somebody with charisma. Well, I don't have no money. Now, by this time, Ash, I have no money. I don't have no customer base. And I'm living up here with nobody. I got 30 seconds to tell this story about Chris. And that's what happened. Kevin say, listen, man, you the one for Chris. We're going to pay for you to stay in the public. You just go and every event that Chris need to go, you go. And we're just going to pay for you to be in the city. Any banquets, anything, Chris going to write the check. Because you're the only person that wanted to go. And I kept selling cars, uh, Jeff, and I ended up top 6% in America selling Infinity. I sold 150 Infinities a year. Ended up number one in the store so many times a year. They went in vacations with press. They got me and my wife and kids everywhere. And that's what happened. That's the real that's the story. Well, and that's, that's how I met you. But then I, I mean, Jeff, you know, Ernest, but you got to talk about the best barbecue you've ever had in your life. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, we look forward to it and um, you know, we've been, you know, certainly blessed by Ernest. He always thinks of my family, you know, for Thanksgiving and, and Christmas and, you know, throws a little extra on there on the smoker for us and gives me a text and says, you know, Mary Cheney, come, come pick up your ham, come get your Turkey. Um, so my family definitely appreciates that. You've actually catered, you catered for our Cowboys watching party th this year. Um, so just, you know, love your barbecue, but I do, do have to ask you, what's, what's your personal favorite thing that you cook? Like when you're, well, I'm actually known for ribs. So barbecue ribs is my number one thing. Even right now, when y'all come to Crescent Sea, they've actually badged this whole place. Um, it's amazing. But in the event center now, it's a big old sign at home of the Texas style ribs inside the event center. But ribs is how people actually discovered me. Now, let me go back and say this right quick. I'm going to give this plug for my mom. My mom was addicted to cocaine. And so while my mom was, she had this drug problem, I was trying to sell some barbecue. And we didn't have no sauce to put on the barbecue. So my mom on drugs, I mean, really with a bad, bad problem. But she said, I got this sauce recipe that my uncle taught me from Waukegan, Illinois. She said, boy, I don't know if it's going to work, but I'm going to show you how to make it. But I can only make a small patch, a, a, a portion of it. She said, now, I don't have no recipe, but I'm going to teach you how to taste it. <laughs> I'm going to teach you how to taste what I taste. Now, that's pretty much uh, difficult because you and Ashley got two different taste buds, right? But my mama, some kind of way, taught me to taste what she tastes. And as an addicted crack addict, she taught me how to make this sauce. Now, my mom, 22 years ago, surrendered her life to Christ through me in a crack house in Mississippi. And she been, I talked to her this morning, she been 22 years like on the street. But mm. she taught me how to make this sauce and I started making it and now I ship it all over the world. It's called Mama Sweet Heat. Mama Sweet Heat. So the sauce that I put on my food, I've never had but one sauce the whole exception of my uh, barbecue experience, which is 20 years, I use my mama barbecue sauce that she taught me on the ribs that you add. So ribs is my number one thing. I was selling in Mississippi up to 500 slabs of ribs a week, 500 of ribs a week. And I don't tell them what we're going to do here, but uh, that was ribs is my number one thing. And then, of course, I learned how to make Texas brisket, but ribs the number one thing there. From your lips to God's ears, for the duration of our friendship, we have talked about God wings, okay? Yeah. That's the first time I've ever heard you tell that story about the like where that sauce comes from, from Illinois. So you're telling me 
Look at this coffee mug I'm drinking right now. What state is that? Wow. That's Illinois, ain't it? Thank you, wow. Jesus. I've never told that story. I've never heard that story, yeah, nor did I take the coffee mug. I want to give you more uh, detail. Yeah, that's crazy. My go, Cubs, go. go, Cubs, go. So yeah. look, we've, we've talked about, you know, and I, and I it, it's insane. Your story, your journey is amazing. I, we need a 75 hour podcast to really give it. And we're, look, we're going to have to do Ernest B's part. Two. But we've gone from the top 6% car salesman. We all know everybody listening, watching best barbecue in Frisco. Hands, I mean, it's just, it's the best. We love you. It's so, so good. You've got the church. Talk to me about the church. Okay. So the church started so, you know, when you go from having what I had in Mississippi, I didn't come to Frisco with no agenda. Uh, I came here not even knowing what Frisco was. I followed Crest of Frisco. It wasn't like God said, go to Frisco. I was just following the car lot. The car lot so happened to be moving to Frisco. And when I came to Frisco, I was extremely terrified because it was just a different everything. Like Frisco... I said an Irish thing. It's just a certain level of everything. And when you're coming from a very uh, impoverished place, when you're coming from a place, it's got to be God. And, 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 and I, you know, everything that's happened to me, it was just so many amazing relationships like me and you and Jeff got. Uh, just great relationships has sustained me. By the way, six years I've been living in Frisco. Okay, so uh, has sustained me through great relationships. But, you know, through the church was birthed out of my passion for people. And it's five years old. And everybody in my church started with me at the car lot. So all the people that bought Infinities for me sat on the other side of my desk. And I sold Infinities to. And I looked around and I saw where the other sales guys wasn't going to church. And I just had a passion for ministry. Now, by this way, I don't know no church. I don't know nobody that's in church here when, at the time I came. And the Lord just placed on my heart to start a church. So I started the church at Crest. So the same place my restaurant in, the owner would come and say, hey, look, you can use the event space to get going. And then I rented the Marriott in Shops of Legacy, the old legacy on that side of Bishop. And I rented the Marriott out because the guy that was managing the Marriott, I sold two infinities to. And he loved me. He said, hey, if I ever can help you. So one day I called him up. His name was Ross Cable. By the way, he's retired now after 25 years, moved back to Florida. I called him up, Ross Cable. Mr. Cable, this is Ernest Morgan and Chris. Oh, Ernest, yes. How can I help you? I said, listen, I got a passion in my heart to start a church, but I don't have no money. And I don't even know where we're going to put the church at. He said, well, I got a space. You come see it. So the rest is history. So the church started from Crest just as a passion. Again, listen, I had no ties to Frisco, no ties to people. It was just me selling the car and from the car, stuff started happening. It was more like God say, I'll give you more in your way than you do before you start. Sometimes everybody want to go to A to Z. Man, I have went A, B, C, D. I went three years and nobody really know who I was. They just see this guy smiling. They don't know this untold story. They see the guy on Facebook with pictures. They don't know where I come from. I'm living a double life. I've just been giving grace. But that church started Christ Infinity. That's insane. And I think, you know, a lot of what Jeff and I were talking about, um, and one of the reasons we were so honored to have you come on, and, you know, Jeff's going to talk about it, but I think now you are really doing the most important thing you could have ever done in your life, and it has nothing to do with a title or a career. I feel more fulfilled right now than I than because I felt like Frisco was in my future. I just didn't see it. Uh, Frisco was my destination, but it was a Mississippi was my preparation. So he prepared me. Well, and you've really become a leader in that regard as far as in the community and being a voice in the community. And of course, as you know, we have our inclusion committee here in Frisco, and that's a passion of mine and the rest of councils is, you know, as we say, is once you get to Frisco, um, we want you to feel welcome. We want you to feel safe. And that's been a big passion of yours. You've been a big help for us. You know, talk to us about, about that and the work you're seeing happening here. Frisco has been so fulfilling to me. You know, I, this is some actually you don't know this, but one day me and my wife had planted the church in, it was in actually Allen and Jeff and before um, his chief of staff, what is her name? Miss uh, Lori. 
Yeah. Yes, Lori, Miss Lori. I, I I just called and I said, "Can I talk to the mayor?" God, God just placed on my heart. What can I do to help Mayor Cheney? It, it, and I know it's kind of strange because most time people probably trying to get some from you, but I just wanted to find a way. How could I? How could I help him with the city? And and so he made time for me to come to his office, and that was shocking to us. And I was just saying, "Hey, what can we do to help you in Frisco?" That was like three years ago. I'm, what I'm doing now is far more than what I was doing, but I had a heart to see Frisco thrive. Because when I started getting peace in Frisco, I know God sent me here. And God has sent me to Frisco when I started getting definition was to help the city be better in every area. It wasn't so much in the economics, it wasn't the school, but just the fullness of Frisco. And with me, the plus of me being in Frisco is I was born in Mississippi. So I'm like, okay, I know what racism is. I know what... Uh, unity is i know what it feels like to be accepted and i know what it feels like to be eject, rejected i'm just the kind of guy i've been on both sides of the track i never felt that in frisco i felt i felt strange when i first came because nobody they didn't know who i was but i also felt fulfilled i felt like man this is the place that god chose to place me but whatever that means i don't even know what the future holds but it's better than where I come from. Even though the income, what it takes to live here is three times what it takes for me to live in Mississippi. Like mentally, I had to see myself uh, being able to do it and not be intimidated, but know that God had purposed me to be here. So what I started doing is developing for the cars. I just wanted to go to different groups and just, hey, look, I'm earnest. If I can help you, I've never been like a taker. Like if you get me, I'm always give. I, because the way I was raised, I just was raised to have skin in the game, right? I always want to make sure that I did everything I could to help a situation. It's just the bottom line. So when I be nice, it's just authentic. It's no loops in it. I don't have nobody to impress. When you see me, what you see is what you get. I never be too different earnest. It's just me. So when I start developing relationship with people, it wasn't by selling the cars, Ashley. Like, how are your kids doing today? What can I do? You know, what can we bring? Blah, blah, blah. And so what I started doing was just more wanting to know people. Mm. I was so far in front of George Floyd's situation. I was years in front of it with key leaders in the city that when George Floyd hit, we had enough concrete relationship that I could take a choice and say, hey, I don't think that's right. I feel like we should go this route. Mm. And so what I my intentionality was for me to do everything I could to build bridges in Frisco through just loving people and bringing up more of a clear view on certain issues that some people may not want to tackle. Well, speaking about the future, you know, and what it holds, you know, you almost let it slip a couple times in this. That I, do we have a big announcement coming as far as the future of barbecue in Frisco? Yes. Yes. So wind it up. 2020 came, COVID hit. We passed in the church, the doors closed. I came to my house, Built the studio in the house. I'm doing the church for eight months online. And as I'm preaching, uh, doing online, I just felt like I needed to get something to subsidize my income. Me and my wife said, well, we don't have a, the money for brick and mortar in Frisco right now. She said, but let's just do a food truck that we can manage it. We can manage our time. And just, just so my wife was still working at Crest. She had some money put up. And so when she left in February, we took some money from what she had been saving over the years and, I had been, you know, catering and stuff, and we developed this food truck, and we developed it, and I never even had a mind to go back to Crest. I got my own thing. You know, I'm, I'm just going to send people to Crest, and I just kind of went my own way. Through 2020 into 21, we come to Crest to do the ribbon cutting finally. <clears throat> I asked you to come to my ribbon cutting. That was in May 21st, 2021. Justin Miller, Ashley's husband, was so kind, the personal friends of mine, he developed all these logos and phrases for my truck and customized the truck. And I, I, I never seen the truck nowhere, not online. I never seen the book. I just got with Justin and had all these ideas and we kind of bounced them back and forth. And do I do a food truck? Do I do a trailer? The pros and cons. But Justin really walked with me to kind of tell me what he thought. But 
when I developed the food truck, I kept going back to Crest and I did the ribbon cutting. Now, 590 people showed to the ribbon cutting. You know, we had fielded event space three times. Both five trucks in Frisco showed. We had the Mayor Cheney was there. We had the Alderman show. We had the council came. Like, everybody came. And, you know, everyone loved you. Yeah, it was amazing. Just really amazing. So, on the 21st of May, I'm cooking at Crest. And by October, you know, they, I'm still cooking and November came. They said, well, we get ready to change executive chefs. Can you come up and cook 26 turkeys? 26 turkeys. I had 50 orders for Thanksgiving myself. Mayor Cheney had a ham. Uh, all I had already him. Chief Shilson had a ham. I had all these crazy orders all over the city, not just turkeys. So I got 75 turkeys to cook on top of brisket and all this other stuff. So the owner Crest said, hey, look, if you cook the 26 turkeys, We'll let you use Crest Event Center to get all your orders out. Because it was really, I didn't have capacity. I had good vision, but no capacity. My truck really was too small. But I had enough pride to say it wasn't. And it was. God had a greater mind. I needed the space because I literally had Crest, the whole event center, filled with food. I cooked those turkeys inconveniently. It really, I didn't have the time, but I did it. And two days later, they called me and say, hey. We have looked at, we changed executive chefs. We're getting ready to open a new superstore. And we want out the food business. You've been here so long with us. You haven't been in the dealership, but you've been loyal to the brand. We want to give you an opportunity. What would you think about having your own franchise like the airport? I said, huh? Yes. That opportunity came to me. Me and my wife had been praying and praying and believing in the food truck and all that. Had, and then it started to make sense. I said, yes. Yeah. So they dissolved. Chris totally got out of the business, of the food business. And the company closed that part of the segment. I was able to come in and lease that space. And then I got a bistro in the Infinity Store. And I got a bistro in Cadillac. So I got three locations that we actually own. And now it's Ernest Barbecue Catering Headquarters because the food truck runs from Crest. And all of our operations now is at Crest Infinity. And I inherited the staff that work for Crest. We took over the whole operation. And God had been preparing me all these years. But I didn't even know, Jeff. I didn't know. I didn't ask for this. I didn't propose a plan. I didn't say, hey, this will work. It's just like, I come to cook some turkeys. It might have been your ham that I cooked that got me this blessing. But I just was doing what I do with no strings attached. I just wanted God to be proud of me and my gift. I never saw this coming. So, oh, man, well, you deserve all your blessings. And this community loves you. And um, you're going to get to meet more people because they're going to get to come see you in person, right? Because the new restaurant, you can... Tell me, you know, the tables, everything. You can eat lunch, dinner. The new restaurant opens. We're going to do a grand open. You're going to get a text from me because I'm on, you know, Tony Felker been on me every week because they come to Rotary. I host Rotary on Thursdays and everybody's seeing the new signs going up and everybody want to know the chamber and called me twice. When are we doing the cut, ribbon cut? And when are we doing the grand opening? And I said, I'm going to do it in February because the sign that we got, a nice LED sign that's as big as the Cadillac sign. Uh, they go in the front of the event center, Ernest B's. You can see it from the tollway coming up uh, 121 in Legacy. Uh, but February, sometime by the end of February, we're going to do a ribbon cutting in a, a full deal. So it's located. If you're looking for me, when you pull that crest, it's 6100 Highway 121 in Frisco. And it's Crest Cadillac Infinity Volvo. All four stores is there. Um, and my food truck is right in front of the restaurant. So the event center... We will host events, uh, but I first had to change the, the system that it was there because we do a lot of parties. I had like 18 groups meeting there, but I'm changing up some things to make it better. I'm putting a full patio in. So when you pull in Crest, we got a full patio with umbrellas. It'll be really nice. People can sit out and relax. The doors actually opens up to the event center because we used to pull Escalades in for Mary Kay. We host all those events. So all the things we normally do, we're still going to do them. We're just changing the scale. I don't sell 100% barbecue. I'm 75% barbecue, but I got 25% regular hamburger. You can come there and get a regular burger. You can get a regular salad. We can fix you a you know, grilled chicken. Uh, it's just an amazing. I got about 35 amazing items because we do breakfast. So we start at 7 in the morning. 
Because you realize Crest got 350 employees between the four stores. So the bistros in each service department in Cadillac and Infinity. So when you come into the, the service department to get your oil change or whatever, you walk into this place where you can get a taco. I do chicken and biscuits. I do sausage biscuits. Today, my special, my uh, 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 taco and burrito was uh, uh, brisket, egg and cheese. I do energy bowls with uh, yogurt and granola and all that stuff. We do all of that. I mean, it's an amazing. I can do pancakes, bacon, eggs. That's the breakfast. Then I got to earn these bees all day. You just want a hamburger. You want to, you know, just something really simple. And then we sell every kind of barbecue product. But it's mainly for people to understand that Crest is a destination for food, not just cars. Um, it's more things we'll reveal as time goes, but it's going to be amazing. I just ask anybody, if you want the experience, just people that genuinely care, that's me and my family. We really care. We really do. Well, and we we know that and we feel that. And, you know, as we wrap up, one thing that I think would be really cool, again, from our lips to God's ears, when we get ready to take Untold on the road, Jeff, oh. maybe our first live show is right there at Ernest B's Barbecue. Well, Ernest, thank you so, so much for taking time. They're just, again, we've talked about this. We have to have Ernest B's part two because there are so many things that we didn't even get to get into today that um, are just so special about you and your family. And we love you. We're so grateful that you're here. You couldn't have gotten here fast enough. You're never leaving. So good All luck. Right. You're Frisco for life now. I can't leave. I can't leave. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Ernest. We appreciate you. We've been trying to get someone to cry. So you are our first guest to cry. Man, I could. I almost just fell out because it's so <laughs> real. You know, like I, I, I think about some of the things that, you know, when you, you it's just real. It's a real story that I've been graced to uh, tell. You know, I'm just thankful to be here and I'm screaming at home with the job giving this opportunity. All right. We well, you. Some of those world famous revs. We're looking forward to the grand opening. Yes, sir. Have a good one. All right. All right. See you soon. Bye, Ernest. Bye, bye. Thank you. Hey. What a guest. I, I just, you know, I, you might not have seen it because of the Botox, but I was very emotional. I was very emotional. I was so good. We're just so fortunate that we have Ernest and this show. It just surprises me time and time again. These kind of, you know, he's not a hidden gem, but there's some, so many parts of the story and the journey that really make Ernest the man that he is today. I think they're so important to tell because it will resonate with people, but it also makes you love him more. If that's even possible. I'd never heard those stories, you know, of all these years that, that I've known him. So I, I definitely learned new things, you know, about him. We didn't even get to talk about his kids. I mean, I, his son is, I guess, an accomplished golfer. And so, again, you know, they've been brought to Frisco. He, I think, wants to work for PGA Frisco. And his daughter um, is studying to be a teacher. Of course, we love our teachers. And that's going to segue me into my community shout out which is a company that we use all the time called Teacher by Day Event Services. This is a company started by Frisco resident Aaron Swain. And so they employ teachers and then at nights and on the weekends, they can help you with event services. So we hired them, as you mentioned, for my birthday party and the Super Bowl party or the football party that we hosted that Ernest B did the food for and a couple of other events. So we've used them now, I think four or five times. Caitlin is our go-to person. Um, we just love them, what they represent. And so if you're looking for a company to help you with that next party, we highly recommend Teacher by Day Event Services. That's so good. It does also segue to mine. Before we go, I just wanted to quickly shout out, you know, Ernest's daughter is actually a, a director at a Primrose, I believe in Plano. My children have been at, at Primrose since almost just about the time they were born. Finley was young, young, young when she started. Um, and what a time to be a teacher. What a time to be an educator. I mean, to say that they're superheroes would be the understatement of the century. I just have the most utmost respect. I think we all kind of learned uh, during 2020 what it was like to be teachers in our own homes, right? They probably got the best Christmas gifts they've ever gotten in their lives by the time we were able to send our children back. But our Primrose, we're at Griffin Park. Uh, there are several that are kind of owned by the same owners and they do a fantastic job above and beyond education. I mean, Finley comes home every day and she's inspired during a pandemic, nonetheless, where we got to do math outside today. And of course, I understand, well, it's keeping you safe, sister, right? There's some social distancing or um, themed days. You know, they may be masked up. 
um, not able to hug each other and, and touch the blocks and do all the things that they want to do, but she's dressed as a pirate. So it's the greatest day of her life. The way they've been able just to bring the imagination and the joy back into this very difficult time, um, you know, working through illnesses and doing everything in their power to keep our family safe and giving it 110 percent. My community shout out Primrose, specifically Griffin Park. I love you guys. Thank you for giving me sanity during the day to do my job and taking care of my babies as if they're, you know, your own. I, I just can't say enough um, about you guys. We love you so, so much. So teacher shout out segment three complete. I love it. All right. Well, thanks again to Ernest for joining us. Thank you all for watching. And please message us if you think there's some community shout outs we need to do or there's some untold stories around Frisco that you want us to share. We'll see you next time. See you next time.